2: Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com/slash/CyberWire. Shadow broker exploits are now found more exploitable. Cryptocurrency miners are recognized as a problem. Mac update sustained a brief infestation last week and a new Android mining campaign takes a page from Rise playbook. The Smominru botnet rakes in 3.6 million dollars, T-Mobile warns of SIM hijacking, the comment period's been extended for a NIST special publication, a new pay card skimmer's been found in Pennsylvania stores, and there's been a tsunami false alarm on the. US East Coast. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Summary for Tuesday, February 6, 2018. Eternal Synergy, Eternal Romance, and Eternal Champion, all leaked last year by the shadow brokers and used in the NotPetya pseudo-ransomware attacks, have since taken a back seat in terms of public awareness to Eternal Blue. But researchers at security firm RiskSense have found that these three exploits work against all unpatched versions of Windows from Windows 2000 on. The exploits which the shadow brokers claim to have obtained from the U.S. National Security Agency's Equation Group may be just as easy for attackers to use as the hitherto more popular Eternal Blue bug. This discovery should spur laggards, and there are many, who have yet to apply patches Microsoft issued last March. All of the Eternals are in the Metasploit framework, and again, they've all been patched. Cryptocurrency mining continues its unpleasant run through victim systems. People are saying that miners have become malware, but they've always seemed like malware to us. What else would you call a program you didn't intend to install that uses your system's resources and that does you no good? We call it malware. Yes, you may call it a potentially unwanted program, a pup if you must, but whatever you call it, it still stinks. Here are some of the latest notes on this problem. On February 1st and 2nd, the Mac Update site was briefly infested with a crypto mining malware, MacUpdate has apologized and expelled the malicious software, but users who downloaded updates at the beginning of the month should check their systems. Security company SentinelOne reports that criminals seem to have gotten into the site and installed a dropper based on the Platypus development tool to download a crypto miner from Adobe Creative Cloud Services. The malicious apps were crafted to affect Onyx, Firefox, and Deeper users. They're gone now, but if you were in MacUpdate at the beginning of the month... Take a look at your system. Security researchers at Kihu360 Netlab warn that a new Monero crypto mining botnet is hitting Android devices in the wild. It infects them through port 5555, which is used by the legitimate debugging tool Android Debug Bridge. The worm is interesting, and 360 Netlab is calling it a worm because it seems to be using some of the same scanning code found in the Mirai botnet. Most of the infected devices so far are found in China and South Korea. Proofpoint researchers have an update on the Smominru crypto mining botnet. By the estimates the security firm has compiled, the hoods behind the botnet have now amassed more than $3.5 million in Monero cryptocurrency. T-Mobile has issued a warning of an active SIM hijacking campaign. The warning takes the unusual form of a mass text message. In the phone number port-out scam, the crook either calls a phone provider or visits the store to request a new SIM card for their victim's phone number. Once they have it, they can further exploit the victim. Most carriers will give their customers a phone passcode or a PIN to help protect them against this fraud. We hear regular reports of Amazon S3 data buckets being inadvertently left open to the world. Woody Shea is chief technology officer at Covata, a data security firm. And he provides some background on why this problem is more common than it should be.
1: Yeah, I guess it's the law of averages, right? So you have these uh, admins putting information into, into these S3 buckets. It's really just a single layer of security at that point. You know, they are in charge of granting access or not to the S3 bucket. Uh, the law of averages says that, you know, eventually somebody's going to slip up and we're seeing that happen uh, quite a bit you know just because so much information is in in these buckets
2: and is this a matter of um of people not uh, properly setting the access uh, restrictions and and i guess the other question is why wouldn't they be set to be more restrictive by default
1: i believe they are uh, set to be fairly restrictive by default it, it's more that humans are imperfect uh you know it's it's uh, very similar to, in my mind anyway, uh, to uh, Freudian slip, or uh, you know that time that you drive home and don't really remember driving home after work. Hmm. Uh, you know, at some point, somebody's going to need access to that information. And you're just going to go on autopilot or make a mistake or, and open it up to the world. And, I mean, there's just so many people using this and so much data in there. It's, it just has to happen. Uh, you know, there's there's no other alternative, just law of averages, right?
2: And so are there folks out there actively searching out for these uh, open buckets so, so that the notion of security by obscurity doesn't really apply anymore?
1: Yes. Yeah. And that was um, uh, sort of where we started the VP of Security here at Covada and I were talking, and uh, you know, he ended up posing a, a writing prompt to me. He said, "There's so much stuff on the internet here. You know, how are people finding these uh, S3 buckets that are open?" And the answer is, um, there are a number of tools starting to come out that you know specifically for scanning S3 buckets, but. Uh, the bucket naming convention is is very similar to, uh, possibly identical to uh, subdomain naming, and there are definitely many tools out there for scanning for subdomains. You know, that's actually where I started. Was uh, okay. Let me collect these tools and see how easy it is to find exposed data, and it turned out to be way easier than I thought.
2: So, if you're someone who's using one of these S3 buckets, is there an easy way to activate a, an additional layer of protection for yourself to protect yourself
1: against yourself? Yes and no. Uh, so. That's that's a really complex question. I think. Uh, so, so what you really want, and and what we saw, you know, in um, previous years, if you will, is layers of protection. You know, on premises, you had the firewall, then you had system permissions, and then maybe you had uh, permissions within the application that the that the system was, you know, and those. Might be mutually exclusive depending on how the application is set up, um, but you had at least two layers. So if you accidentally opened things up on one of those layers, the other one would be there. And and traditionally, it would be two different people controlling those two layers, right? You had your your network admin managing the firewall, and then you had your data owner or uh, system admin managing the access controls on the application. In the cloud, uh, we're we're really not seeing that second layer. Now, the S3 buckets, you can, uh, but it's not very intuitive. And everyone just sort of by default has access to the multiple layers. Um, And I would say uh, cloud services as a whole are moving towards this, but they're not there yet. Uh, But you really do need those separation of duties. You need uh, you know, one person sort of providing swim lanes, if you will, right? Here is a group of people that you uh, might uh, want to share with or you're allowed to share with. And then the data owner within that Okay, how this file will actually go to that person, and yes, that's within the swim lane, so that's allowed. And it's just not quite there yet. So what happens is, if you have access to AWS systems, you also have access to the AWS uh, firewall. So it's hard to maintain those separations of duties.
2: That's Woody Shea from Covada. Apple and Cisco have partnered with insurance giant Alliance in an arrangement that will give Allianz customers lower cyber insurance rates if they use certain Apple and Cisco products. U.S. federal agencies and their contractors prepare to implement NIST information sharing guidelines. NIST's special publication 800-171 was intended to take effect on January 1st of this year, but the deadline for figuring out how to comply has been extended. NIST is now taking comments from the public on SP 800-171 until June of this year. Attention Pennsylvania shoppers! Take a look at that pay card terminal before you swipe, especially if you're using a debit card. Police are looking for two hoods who've been caught on surveillance cameras installing overlay skimmers on customer-facing scanners of the kind you see in checkout lines everywhere. The two crooks were seen putting them in place at a few Aldi's supermarkets. The card skimmers are thin, convincing, and snap on in seconds. They steal debit card pins. Retailers should remind their people to keep their eyes open. And finally, a couple weeks ago, fumbled tests of emergency alert systems in Hawaii and Japan resulted in false alarms of a missile launch, presumably from North Korea, that set off brief, fortunately minor, panics. They weren't the results of cyber attacks, but they did expose problems with the systems. There was a similar oops this morning on the U.S. eastern seaboard, when a National Weather Service test of a tsunami warning system found its way into AccuWeather and other outlets. Parents and children in the mid-Atlantic states who were checking for advanced word of school closings in response to tonight's expected ice storms were instead surprised to get an alert telling them to hightail it for high ground. It was all a mistake and quickly retracted and corrected. We've looked out the window and can report there's no tsunami surge up the Chesapeake. Not yet. Sorry, kids, you'll have to wait for that promised ice storm if you're hoping for a day off. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, SixSense. SixSense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. To learn why enterprises choose 6sense, Sixth visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Emily Wilson. She's the Director of Analysis at Terbium Labs. Emily, welcome back.
0: Good to be back. Thank you for having me. I'm enjoying the new office space. Oh,
2: well, thank you very much. It's radio, so we don't get to talk about it very much, but yes, <laughs> we're enjoying our enjoying our time here at uh, at Data Tribe as well. Um So uh, a new year is upon us, and uh, that is uh, usually a time for predictions, but uh, you wanted to make the point that uh, when the new year kicks off, that is when we start seeing people rev up their efforts at tax fraud.
0: Yes, it is uh, one of the most wonderful times of the year (laughs) on the dark web. Everyone still loves Black Friday, but yeah, this is, uh, I mean, when you think about it, this is everything the dark web fraud community Loves, right? You get to steal other people's money and you get to steal it from the government. It's a cause everyone can get behind.
2: So how does that play out? Uh, uh, What do you see on the dark web when it comes to people uh, going at this?
0: Sure. So we see a couple of things. Uh, One, there's the information that's available all year round that gets remarketed for tax season. This is your your fulls, your full identities, your uh, tax fraud guides, hopefully walking you through step by step. Uh, other personal information, socials, and what have you, mm. and then a couple of things that become more particularly relevant around uh, tax fraud season. This is your W twos, your EINs, that sort of thing.
2: I see. Now you mentioned there was something that you were saw something you saw uh, called infant foals. Describe that for us.
0: Sure. So this is one of the few times, really one of the only times uh, that we see the information of children being brought into play Mm. on some of these markets. As I've mentioned before, uh, a lot of the material you tend to think of for children on the dark web, child exploitation, is really kept separate. These communities are really, uh, really discreet from one another. But we do see, we saw a couple of years ago and again this year, Uh, information of children being sold for tax fraud purposes. So in this case, what we saw were uh, infant fulls being marketed. And this is a baby, right? So they can't have but so much information. But you're Mm -hmm. talking about a name, social, date of birth, some information about the mother. A couple of years ago, we saw children's socials being sold. So the socials of a child and both parents. You can get a nice little family pack. And these are marketed explicitly for tax fraud. That's really the only time of year we see them.
2: And is there anything you're expecting that's going to be new this year? Is it more of the same? Do we expect it to ramp up? Is this one that people are getting a better handle on?
0: I think this is one that we're going to kind of see progress steadily. Mm-hmm. But I think every year, you know, the IRS makes just a couple of tweaks, and there are guides there ready to kind of handle those tweaks and really, there's not a lot that can be done about it. That's the hard thing. Hmm. The only thing you can really do is try and get your return in before the criminals get to you. And even then, it's luck of the draw, whether or not it's your information they have on hand.
2: Wow. All right. Good advice. Uh, be careful as always. Emily Wilson, thanks for joining us. Our lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program